In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass Sunday. This week, I only want to touch briefly on our first reading, because as it stands, it's pretty straightforward. It comes from the book of Proverbs. The book is as it sounds, 31 chapters of Proverbs and wise sayings. And the passage we hear this Sunday from the final chapter of the book concentrates on the virtues of a good wife. The primary focus is on her activity. There are a number of action words in this passage that all illustrate the woman's industriousness. She works with loving hands, her fingers ply the spindle, and she extends her arms to the needy. Our second reading picks up right where we left off from last weekend. You might remember that St. Paul was telling the Thessalonians about the last day, when the dead will rise first, and then those who are left, who haven't died, will be reunited with them and with Jesus. Here, Paul continues the theme of the last day, but now seems to be addressing a different question. When will it happen? It's possible that the Christians in Thessalonica expressed a desire to want to know exactly when Jesus will come again. It's something we still wonder today. Paul comically says that concerning times and seasons, they have no need for anything to be written to them. But then, of course, he proceeds to write something to them about it. It's sort of like when someone says, needless to say, if it truly was needless to say, it wouldn't be said at all. Regardless, Paul does instruct the Thessalonians about the last day. And he says that what they really know is that they cannot know what they seek to know. (laughs) Okay, confusing, right? Let me repeat that. When it comes to when Jesus will return, we know that we cannot know. Instead, it will come as a surprise. Paul uses two examples. He says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night or like a woman suddenly in labor. A quick word on the day of the Lord. This is an Old Testament concept that the prophets Amos, Joel, and Malachi all speak of. It would be a time when the Lord God would vindicate the righteous and punish those who have done evil. But Paul is taking this Old Testament concept and applying it to Jesus. The day of the Lord now becomes synonymous with the day of Christ, the day of Jesus' return. We have a somewhat lengthy parable as our gospel reading this weekend. It's the story of the three slaves and the talents. Right off the bat, let's address the talents themselves. The precise amount of a talent is hard to pin down. A number of scripture scholars say that a talent would be roughly about 15 years of a daily wage. Without knowing this for certain, suffice it to say that it's a very large amount of money, and being given five of them would be a fortune. Thus, there's some humor when the master tells the first two slaves that they have been trustworthy in little things. A fortune of about 75 years or 30 years of daily wages would be hardly considered little. The scenario envisioned by this parable often actually did happen in the ancient world. The head of a household might go on a long trip and leave his estate and his money to be maintained by his slaves. They didn't have Brink's security systems or even incredibly safe ways of keeping money back then. In fact, when the third slave in the story buries the money given to him, this would not have been rare at all. It was a very common practice to keep money safe. You just better remember where you buried it. We're not told the specifics of how the first two slaves are able to double their money. The story only tells us that they trade the money. And this is a good point. Focusing too much on the finances 
behind the story detracts from its message. Remember, this is a parable, not an instruction from Jesus about money. Remember that this parable immediately follows that of the ten virgins, which we heard last week at Mass. There's a specific perspective about the end times to this parable that can't be missed. After all, the Master returns after a long time and arrives to settle accounts. Both of these trigger for us that we're talking about that day of the Lord, which St. Paul mentions in the second reading. Finally, the usual approach to this gospel is something along the lines of, be sure to use everything that's been entrusted to you. And that certainly is a valid interpretation of the parable. Yet some scholars wisely propose that the parable should be interpreted not strictly by what one does with one's talents and abilities, but rather by what one does with the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. This helps to make sense of the tricky line in which Jesus says that to everyone who has, more will be given. And yet for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This same line occurs earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 13, verse 12, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples specifically about knowledge of the kingdom. Applying it to the parable this weekend, the master is upset with the third slave because rather than sharing his knowledge of the kingdom with others and increasing its value, he simply kept the good news to himself and buried it. Our invitation is to be like the first two slaves who eagerly share the good news with others and increase its value in the eyes of the master. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this week, the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.